0: Hey guys, welcome back to episode 22 of Calculated Chaos. Today I'm here with Megan Scully. How are you, Megan?
1: I'm really good, Tara. How are you?
0: Thank you very much for having us here to uh, in Limerick today, as you can see.
1: <laughs> welcome to my studio. <laughs> yeah.
0: So can you quickly introduce yourself and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, so I am a Galway girl and a Limerick lady. I always say that because Galway is home and that's where the home house is. And Limerick is has been home now for... Wow, it's since 2015 actually, um, but I went to university here back in 2007 so I've kind of dipped my, my toes here a couple of years ago and yeah. um, always lovely Limerick as a city and I'm delighted to be back here. Um, I'm here Monday to Friday presenting the Limerick Post Show which is an online kind of magazine style TV show um, where we go out and about to Limerick, we go to events, we go to sporting events, um, we interview musicians and maybe if there's like an opening of something, um, all kind of positive good news stories and the aim is to kind of show the people of Limerick um, all that's going on in Limerick City and County but then also for those who aren't in Limerick to see how much is going on here and what a busy place we are. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's great to be doing something like that that is you know so positive and so much fun so I present and produce that show and then I've keen who does camera and editing as well and uh, I have to say it's it's just really fun like every day is different we're out and about we're all around the place Um, we do some interviews in here Um, it's just kind of I suppose it's great because it's so much variety so then that is Monday to Friday mm. Saturdays I and Sundays I present on Classic Hits which is Dublin based um, but it's a national station so I have my own kind of music show on Saturdays from 11 to 2 which is the 80s, 90s more kind of classic tracks which is a mixture of everything and then on Sundays I present Guaranteed Irish which is an Os Gaeilge show so it's the bilingual Um, and it's only Irish music it's classic Irish songs but also brand new Irish songs as well so mm. it's great because it has the mix of two and it means I get to interview and meet upcoming Irish artists and play their music which is always exciting and have to say the Irish music scene is stronger than ever. And then job number three is um, I'm a news panelist on the Today Show with Donny Mora and RT, which is, um, I'm, I'm on Mondays mainly. So like every second Monday, I'm down at the Cork studio um, just chatting about like the topical news stories. So mm. it's kind of usually current affairs, but um, kind of pop culture, and I suppose things that are like trending in social media. So mm. I love that. So I'm getting all areas of media in. And also I am writing my second book now as well. So I'm an author. So uh, I guess that is my four main job titles. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Kept very busy anyway. <laughs> certainly um, am. Um, so I suppose we met through Zeminar. Yes. So we spoke on the same day on Seminar was back in October, wasn't it?
1: wasn't it? It was. It was um the tenth or eleventh of October, I believe, was on across yeah. those few days. It was early, yeah.
0: Yeah, we were we were both on the Tuesday. Yeah, that was Yeah. It. how did you end up getting in with that? Um, it was
1: um it was Damien and Ian that both approached me actually and mentioned to me. Now I've been watching Seminar for, since it started and I always thought that was kind of something that I wanted to really um, speak at because um, my first book, Broken Love, was kind of aimed at millennials and Gen Z as well. And um, I remember seeing the very first one in the RDS and thought this is such a good event and it was the first of its kind. And I was kind of like, that would be like, the dream event for me to speak at um, but um, since the I suppose the first came out and since I spoke at it I've actually been speaking at other events across Ireland mm-hmm. um, events for young people for all generations for all age groups and I think that is where maybe the guys came across my, I, I share videos for my talks, I think that's how they found me. Mm. And they reached out to me and of course, as soon as they asked, I was like, absolutely. So I was delighted. Yeah. Um, and it was great to speak to so many young people and to kind of, I suppose, get messages of hope across as well. And uh, it was a really interesting day and I'm uh, hopefully looking forward to the next one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because
0: <laughs> uh, they only actually recently posting your, your clips yes. up on YouTube, because I know they're rolling it out over, over the next year or so, but, um, yeah, no, it was, that was a really amazing day. Like, I was in, I, like, three years ago, I was a TY in the audience, yeah. uh, in the RDS. And it was funny, I mean, so old McDermott was speaking. I remember sitting there in the audience going, man, I wish I was up on that stage. I was like, that was, <laughs> the that goal. was, that was, like, the thought process going. Because I always love public speaking, and it was uh, sitting there going, like, oh, I'd love to be up on that stage. And, like, the... The kind of full circle thing when eventually, like one week beforehand, literally one week, Damien went. Do you want to choose more? And Salo went, Yes, please. Yeah, just give it to me. Yeah, amazing. I'll show up. But um, that I've really made an event, and hopefully. Hopefully, then bring you back again next year. <laughs> especially
1: because you were so close in age to those that were sitting yeah. there, which was amazing. So it's incredible to be able to do that. And like, I think that's a, one thing that a lot of people should learn from is that, like, you know, you can set these goals at any age and achieve mm. them in a short space of time. Yeah. So it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. That and that was kind of the whole premise of my talk is that, like, you're not too young to start. Like, I feel like some people, like, I feel like because this, like, this age with the internet and everything, we have so much capabilities mm. of. Getting following your dreams, whether that be in music, you know, like you're seeing so many. I'm seeing so many young artists, and you're seeing on the Sunday show with the Ar- Guaranteed Irish, you're seeing these young artists mm-hmm. that are starting to build their own platform and starting to get recognition, you know, hundreds of thousands of streams, you know what I mean? And they started from, well, they're still just recording out of their house, you know what I mean? So the fact that something as simple as that, that with regards to music, business, YouTube, you now can get out there. You don't yeah. need to wait for a record label, you don't need to wait for that person to give you the thumbs up, you can go get after it and, um, I think that's a really cool day. We were really reinforcing that, obviously, the whole mental health, health aspect of it as well. So, um, you were born in Galway? I oh,
1: was uh, born in Dublin, actually. Born in Dublin? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't say that as much. So, I was actually born in Dublin.
0: Okay. I know,
1: I'm from everywhere. Yeah. So, I was born in Dublin, raised in Galway, and living in Limerick.
0: Okay, so what age did you move to Galway at?
1: Um, I was five years old, so I was halfway through um, baby infants in Dublin. Um, and okay. we lived in Dundrum and um my parents separated at that time and then mum decided she wanted to raise us closer to home because home was Galway well actually both my parents were originally from Galway it was typical of the 80s met got married and moved to Dublin that was kind of what everyone did um and then when they separated then mum said I'd rather bring you close to home but she was like wasn't ready to go home home just yet herself so um a friend called up and said why don't you come to Spittle in Connemara?" so mum just said Let's do it. So up we packed our uh, bags and went to Spiddle and Connemara, not a bit of Irish between us. Yeah. Um, never lived beside the beach before, like completely like unknown to us, and stayed there for five years. And I was like, those were the five most amazing years for me. Um I call them um, I call Spiddle my spiritual home. My mum and I say that. yeah We still go out and visit quite a lot. And um that's where the gail obviously developed. Like we were we went into school, sure. As I said we hadn't a bit of Irish and it was all Irish. Yeah. Everything, everything. The only thing that wasn't Irish was English, and uh, the English class. Um, um, but like because I suppose you're that young and you're you're like a sponge. We just took in all the Gaelga, and then yeah. I just kept it, and that's what that's why I went on to study Irish in university because mm. my love for spittle. Yeah, <laughs> so it, was great. No, it is it
0: is lovely spot, and obviously I'm from Galway as well, so I would know spittle very well, and um, and then when you were 10 what part of Galway did you move to then after that
1: then we moved to Ardrahan which is South Galway which is near Gort and that's where mum and dad originally from
0: oh okay so we moved back
1: to where granny is granny Sadie is there so we ended up uh, building a house right beside her and now there's like pretty much all my aunties and uncles are all in the one area so it's like taken over by all of our family okay so that's still home now that's where mum has stayed and then mum stayed there and I suppose since I was there till I moved to Limerick for my undergrad and then yeah so I've kind of been moving around since.
0: And you did your undergrad in journalism?
1: Yeah, um, on Rail Guys and the Man Irish and New Media Studies, yeah. So there was no journalism in UL at the time and I I only wanted to go to UL because I two I have two aunties that are living and married down here and I used to come down to visit them as a child and they used to automatically they used scout bring brings out to UL yeah. for walks because it's so beautiful. And as soon as I first saw the campus, I was like, I just wanna go here. I don't care what I do, I wanna go to this campus, I just fell in love with the place yeah. and then I came from quite a sporty background so obviously the sports campus there to me is just second to none so I just focused on that and I loved Irish I loved media studies and then I was looking up media courses and at the time a lot of people were saying the one in Cairo was the best and Comersauds and that kind of links straight into TG Car but I just I just didn't want to go out there I wanted to go to UL yeah, and yeah. then I opened up the syllabus and there was this course Irish and New Media in UL and I was like this is just such a coincidence, like how could this be happening? So I had that top of my CEO and then after that I had every single, any course that had even just a bit of media in it, I didn't really mind. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to go to UL, so thankfully. I think I think I had like eight choices and I think seven of them were UL. Wow.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah I
1: was determined and I got there.
0: <laughs> and how did you get on in school?
1: <laughs> um, really well actually. I, I've i kind of, was at one of these all-rounders. I got on really well with everyone. I kind of, a teacher one time, I think as I moved so much, from school to school. Like I went to three national schools, two secondary schools and two universities. Mm. So I think I was very adaptable to situations. And then I think when my parents had been separated, I kind of used it as a positive. So I'd spend summers with dad and like that, dad lived in Kildare at the time and mm. we had the horses. So again, there was a lot of kind of going into situations where I maybe didn't know people. So I was very much so able to walk up to groups of people that were my age and just say, hey, can I hang out? So yeah. I was, I would, that's the kind of person I was. And I, a teacher one time said to my mother that I was like the glue. I just brought everyone together. Um, I got on with absolutely everyone. It didn't, like, I i, I never saw anyone as different or anything. Or, I always feel like no matter how much you might think you're like you don't have a, you don't know someone or you maybe don't have any interest. I feel like there'll always be something if you dig deep enough, there'll be some common ground somewhere. Um, also, is always very sporty, so I think that was a huge thing for me as well. Um, and my mum always said that she reckoned I was extremely clever but if I I just didn't really apply myself as much as I could have because mm. I was always playing camogie or football or horse riding and my curricular activities always came first and when it came to school I was involved in public speaking competitions and um, if there's anything happening at all in the school you can pretty much you'd pretty much find me stuck in the middle of it I was probably like always finding things to do but I always think that made me kind of like stronger as a person I think it was like better for me as well that way because I learned so many social skills and um, I also got on really well with teachers and um, I always seemed to have a really good rapport with them and it wasn't that I was like always oh, sucking up to them or anything or like being a goody two-shoes I just I think I just just got on I had respect for them But then I also, like, really kind of looked up to them as well. Mm. Um, And I often used to go to teachers and if I had any issues going on or if I would kind of, you know, something was, whether it was something to do with education or something to do personally, I always found that I could go up to my teachers and confide in them. And I always felt really safe around them. So I think, um, yeah, I think, like, in school, you kind of, you could just see me with anyone at any time. It didn't, I was never really, I never really liked this whole thing of groups. Um, and I never really stuck to groups I'd like you know I'd dip into this group at lunchtime and then I might go over to this group and over to this group I just always like to be mixing Yeah. Um, but I think that's kind of the kind of personality I have now and it's kind of I suppose paved the way for me in media career because obviously I have to go up talking to strangers quite a lot and interview them so oh, yeah. I need to be able to just go up and say hey how are you can I have a chat Yeah. on camera so you know I suppose it's all part of, of my life
0: that's really interesting actually because uh, I know I was going to have a conversation with someone about the last couple of weeks about this was the fact that like your childhood really does things happen in your childhood really do affect the entire entirety of the rest of your life that's funny the fact that you've kind of you've the fact that you were like that in second school you pinpointed that and gone gee that really has helped me out in my career or maybe yeah. that's me pushed you in that direction obviously having the great will push it towards you know doing that course in college so you started in UL and you said you went to two universities so you went to another university as well
1: yeah so i came to the end of UL and i thought I'm not ready to, to work. Like, and everyone's. was, all, I remember like a lot of the people in my circle, we had a huge, big group of us in college, like in UL, it was great. And it was all um, people from all over Ireland. And we just had such a, like there's about 30 or 40 of us, and it was just so much fun. And I remember like Fortress, they were all planning, their careers, a lot of them are teachers, they were all applying for schools and yeah. I remember just thinking, I'm not ready for this. So then I realized as well, I wanted to, I had studied journalism in Malta because um, at part UL everyone goes in Erasmus. So I know we're studying Irish and everyone's like, why do you guys get to go away? And it's like, well it's part of the UL it's the way UL operate. Mm. So we went to Malta and while we we're in Malta we studied um, reporting and journalism in the University of Malta and that was oh, just for six months. But I remember the our lecturer was the nighttime editor of the Maltese Times and he was just incredible and I remember thinking he was just like I loved his lecture so much so I decided then when I got home that I was going to do Masters in Journalism and um, NUIG um, was kind of the I, I'd say I loved UL but because UL was so good in those four years and because everyone was moving on I knew if I stayed on for Masters that maybe I wouldn't have my same circle of friends and mm. although I'm, I can make friends easily I have such like fond memories UL is afraid to kind of almost damage that in any Came way to, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I was like I'm going to leave in a high. So then I went to NUIG and I did the master's there for a year. And um, But it's funny because when I went, went to NUI, I didn't really know that many people. So what I did then was I just joined society straight away. Mm. And um, that year was... It was actually a really interesting year for me because that's when I hit a really low point in my life. Mm. So I was really struggling to try get through my master's, but then also try to keep, like, keep everything together. And I was trying to hold on to so much stuff. And then I just kind of found that year to be probably one of the most difficult years of my life but then I still managed to come out my master's at the end of the day um so Mm. I think for that then sometimes I have to like kind of say okay you did it give myself a pat on the back now if I had to repeat the year I would have because I didn't want to throw away the master's either but thankfully at the very end I was able to kind of pull myself out and just kind of concentrate and just get through and get to graduation Mm. so um yeah so that, that was the two universities then so two very different experiences but then I met the girls I met in NUIG are still like my closest friends now, oh, okay. years later. So it's it's been really interesting because while the year was quite emotional and tough, um, I've come out with like these incredible friends, and that was oh god, a graduation in twenty twelve. So that's a good few years ago now yeah.
0: <laughs> Um. So to delve into a little bit of what was kind mm. of reoccurring at that time, because you talk you talked your talky seminar really centred on that. So do you want to talk about what was kind of coming up at that time?
1: Yeah. So I think what I, well during the masters, I I noticed the summer before I went into NUI that things were starting to kind of crumble around me and mm. um, i was always very happy and smiling everyone used to say that they're like you're always smiling you're always happy and i was like yeah no i am like because oh, mm. i am but then i found suddenly i was like struggling to kind of be so happy and i was like not feeling happy anymore i was struggling to get out of bed i was struggling to go into my lectures i didn't want to go to lectures um i wanted to go on nights out um but i wanted to just go on night out after night out after night out and stay in bed all day long and just go out again and it was like I think in a way socializing and drinking alcohol was, I felt was the only way I could kind of cover up what I was like, that I, because I was feeling so bad, but obviously alcohol has an opposite effect. So it was making me feel worse every day. So I was just in this really vicious cycle where I was kind of socializing all the time and then feeling off the next day and then going out again. And then it was just going on and on and on. And then I remember like just feeling so emotional all the time. Like we used to watch Home and Away every day, like religiously in college. And I remember one time my housemates and I were all home at lunch watching it and I was, bawling crying and then i looked around i was like couldn't understand why nobody else was crying and i was like it's really sad and they were like yeah like it's sad but it's not like like (laughs) crying sad and i was like what like what's wrong with you and they were like they were kind of like no like it's not that sad and then one morning i'll never forget i was watching ireland dm and there was some someone on talking and my housemate came down and i was roaring crying into my breakfast and she was like are you okay and i was like it's just really sad it's so sad and then she was watching it with me for a bit and she was like oh god and she was like it's not that sad mm. so I think the thing was I was sad Yeah. so um, I one morning then I woke up and I was crying non-stop and I couldn't stop crying and I remember I just felt horrible I felt low I felt sad I felt miserable I felt lonely and my mother came in to me and she was like right and I was like I'm losing my mind I was like I think, I think I'm done for now and I was like like all this like uh, the media studies like everything i want to do i wanted to be a presenter and i was like it's all gone and i'm never going to feel happy again and like my friend another friend said to me she's like the sparkle's gone from your eyes and i could see it i looked in the mirror and i just my eyes were like gloomy and there was like nothing there and i was just so i just felt like i I was at the end and then Mum said no she goes now we have to concentrate on you she's like you know it's time you deal with the past and I just thought it couldn't be the past because I thought that the past was the past. It was so many years ago. Why would that be affecting me now? But I suppose um, I, what I began to realise after a while when I because I went off and got professional help was that it was the past. And because I hadn't dealt with stuff that happened in my childhood and it was coming up after me. So I guess my parents separating, I didn't think it was such a big deal at the time because I was five and I was so young and we moved to Spiddle and we were in the beach and Irish and friends and everything. And that was the summer of 95 when we had that crazy heat wave which I think now 2018 is after bypassing so we spent the whole summer on the beach so Mm. as a child sure I thought this was the best place ever Um, but it was only when I got older I realised that certain things from my parents' separation did actually creep up like things like not having dad around as much or I suppose having parents living in different places but then you see I but now I'm able to look at the positives of that as I said like making new friends and adapting to situations yeah. but I suppose there was parts of it that were upsetting to me and kind of did cause a bit of childhood trauma so I had to deal with that then obviously the biggest blow was in 2005 uh, my brother Marcus was killed in a car crash mm. I was 15 at the time he was 18 both of us had just finished our mocks and on the Friday night I was going horse riding and he was going to rugby training and his friend or our neighbor drove him because he just got a new car and i suppose back in the day this is before all those mad um like i know nowadays it's really hard to get licensed back then i think you turned 16 you got your tractor license and once you're 17 you just got you got your provisional and that was it you didn't need lessons or anything um and then the boys were coming home from training and there was i suppose a bit of driver experience as well and there was a crash and both the boys lost their lives and like I remember thinking it was midterm as well and it was just a huge shock to the whole community and not just the community, like we came from Dublin, we lived in Spiddle. So you had people from all over Marcus, went to the Gwaeltuk for the summers. And um, so you just, it just was like, the amount of people that came around to, to support us was incredible. But at the time, like I remember my parents were like, obviously devastated. My mother was like, terrible, terrible way. Like I can still, sometimes I can still hear her cries. Like it was just the most painful screams ever. And the same with dad. So I just thought at the time, right, I have to be strong because Marcus was always a strong one for all of us. So I thought, right, this is my turn to set up now. I was only 15 years old, so I didn't really know what else to do, but I thought if I'm brave and if I look after my mom and look after my dad, you know, if I help them through it, then it will be fine. So I tried to do that as best I could. And then my dad got really sick and he was always kind of in and out hospital and he had a lot of health complications like all through our childhood. And Marcus and I would have been in and out to quite a few hospitals to visit him. But he was like the bionic man, like dad would go into hospital and a Saturday and then on Sunday he'd be out riding horse.
0: Yeah. And I'd be like
1: Dad, what do you do? And he'd be like, the horse needs to be ridden and no one else is gonna do it. So I'm gonna do it. And he'd be like, yeah, but you literally just were in hospital yesterday with like drips and everything. And he was like, I'm fine. The horse needs to be ridden, but I think that kind of actually kept him going. I think Dad constantly had goals and he always like had like there'd be a, a showdown competition on in like six weeks and he'd be like, right I'm taking part in that and I'm like Dad your health isn't strong enough. he was like my health is I'm I don't care he's like I'm I'm doing it. But he was really stubborn and he fought through so many illnesses and he just no matter how bad things were like dad always pulled through like everyone used to always like say like you we know, don't like how he was surviving we didn't really know. But then again I said I think it was again it was a goal setting. It was constantly targets, targets, targets. Um but after Marcus died then I think that was just like that just wiped him out because he just I think he fought so much all through his life that like suddenly his son Marcus was gone in one accident like Marcus didn't even get a chance to try fight or even just a chance to even like you know get a second chance I suppose to even at life but um, I think in a way dad as well probably felt a little bit guilty that he cheated death so many times so he just got sicker and sicker, and what happened was then he just couldn't fight the disease anymore, and he couldn't fight anything. Like he, like I, like he'd be in the hospital, and he'd, if he'd like get a cold or something. Like he wasn't able to get rid of it. So um a year and a half later, then Dad passed away. um It was August two thousand six, and at that stage then I had switched schools. I'd gone to my second secondary school, and I just want it was my leaving cert year. So Dad died in August September. Then was the start of my leaving year, and I just thought, right. Need to get into this year, and I thought, okay, so I spent the time looking after mum, then dad died, then I went into school and I had the leave insert, and, and I just kept my head down, focused. Um, I played camogie and I got on the going minor panel that year, so I think that was a huge thing for me because it was like getting to play for your county, but also then being able to kind of like have a distraction. So everything was a distraction for me, and, and go mm. and again, it was kind of goal setting too, it was like get to the mocks, get to the leave insert get to play for Galway get to university get your course in UL so that all happened so because life was so busy and then because I got to UL and I I adored it down there and I think that's why I love UL so much is because the four years down there were kind of like it's like grief decided to give me a break and said we're going to leave you off now for these four years enjoy yourself have fun but we're going to come back to you soon and that's when I came back was during my masters so it was really mixed bag for me because I loved NUIG and I loved the masters but it was such an emotional year and then obviously what I had to deal with then for those few years afterwards were, were grief and loss and I had to go back to 93 or four. I think when parent separation happened I had to go back and live some of those moments to get through them I had to go back to 2005 to relive Marcus's death and go through his funeral and his I suppose everything that went in with that then I'd go back to dad's death and his the dad was dying for that summer so I spent that summer in and out of hospital so I'd go back to all those moments
0: mm.
1: and kind of relive them to get through them um so i spent i'd say i spent a good that was 2012 was the really bad year and i'd say it took me to 2015 to kind of get stuff to get get kind of like sorted and that's when i ended up coming back to limerick now, I'm not saying I'm... Everything's perfect now, but, like, I had a few dips then afterwards, but it was kind of just... Now that I know... I know, like, when it... If a dip is coming, I know how to deal with it now, whereas back then I didn't. I was kind of looking for a quick fix all the time. Um, so there is no quick fix to grief. Like, for Marcus died in 2005. It took me a good 10 years to really deal with grief and to get through it.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, And then, I suppose, once you kind of... So you say kind of 2015, you started... You kind of had learned to deal with it. You mm-hmm. hadn't necessarily gotten over because obviously... Something you just get over, but and was there any correlation between you kind of getting over it, the change in moral mindset and then kind of almost launch your career? You know what I mean? As in, like, the kind of because obviously, right now, your career is prospering, you yeah. know, you're doing great. Like, was there, was there any correlation between those two? Kind of, your head's your head mindset getting clear. And then your career kind of starts to take off.
1: Yeah, so I think um, I'm like I have really strong faith, like really strong, and I always feel like, and I say faith, I mean I believe that Marcus and dad are always around me and always supporting me and I always feel them with me mm. and I always feel protected by them and I remember one time going to speak to um, a lovely friend Heidi and uh, she was she told me like she's she used to get like she used to kind of like get angel messages and send them mm. and she's like this beautiful power and I remember one day talking to her and she was like you know because I, I was so inward and gone so depleted that I just was my spark was gone my like my enthusiasm was gone my energy was gone I wasn't like chasing anything I was kind of sitting back hoping that things would come for me but I wasn't doing anything to get, get work like career wise I wasn't like trying to get any work and then um Heidi said she goes you know Marcus thinks you're boring to look at and I was like what? she goes yeah and I was like but I'm, I'm not boring and then she was like well Marcus thinks you are like you're not doing anything with your career like you have your degree and you have your masters and you're not like why aren't you out chasing things and trying to get somewhere and I was like what and I was really upset and then I kind of left the house and I was like I'm going to show you Marcus I'm going to prove to you yeah. and uh then she um she said to me she goes don't worry it's all going to come together and so she kind of said she she could, she could see what was coming and she was kind of I suppose instilling that belief in me so I kind of thought actually yeah do you know what I was like I'm going to prove you wrong so then I went up to Dublin and I was there for two weeks and I was applying for loads of different internships and everything because at the time like this was kind of coming out of recession when there was no paid jobs for anyone it was like you worked for free and you you were grateful to work for free, and you built up your like CV. Yeah. So I was there, and I um went along to Dublin, and I moved up to Dublin. This, was this moved up to Dublin, no job, but I was like, I'm moving up to Dublin. I'll be here. I'll I'll tell them all I'm here, and I've got a degree, and I've got a masters, and I've media and journalism and everything. And Mum's like, if you're in Dublin now and you're not working, she goes, I want to, you need to be looking for jobs. So she's like, I want to know that you're sitting there applying for jobs. So I applied for like everything that I could see, and I was like, hopefully something will come up. So eventually got an email, and I would got called for a job in London, and I was like london i was wow. like why did get call a job for london and then i was like one of all the jobs i was applying for i applied for this internship in london but i didn't actually i applied for just because at the time i was like so if mum says thinks i'm not doing anything i can show her my laptop and show her all these emails to say you know application accepted so she like she realized mm-hmm. so i was long story short i ended up flying over to london and then by the time i did an interview came out to the airport flying home got a call hey megan you've got the job you're starting two weeks um i landed an internship with mtv and i was going to work with the mtv uh, news team yeah. and for me i was like MTV and like I I grew up watching the MTV MTV channel music channels. Marcus and I, when well, Dad Dad bought a Sky for our home house, and um, we just spent the whole time with the remote, just constantly going through the MTV channels and watching movies and music videos, and that was our yeah. thing. Um, so I was like, me, London, MTV, and that was not my like my plan was to move to Dublin and just Dublin was like the, the goal. Yeah. And then I got to London, and the whole time I was there, London for me was the most amazing hardest loneliest fulfilling year of my life because Mm. i was doing an internship with mtv i had bosses who were incredible and that were like trained me up on like equipment and lighting and sound on camera on researching on running on interviewing on like everything amazing then i also had some really tough people on my team that i worked with that were trying to shoot me down because i obviously burst in the door an intern i was like they actually one time one of the girls i worked with said to me she's like you're like really friendly and like it was a bad thing. I went. What she goes? Like you say hello to everyone in this building. Now the building was huge. um, Viacom underneath it. So you had. Nickelodeon, you had Comedy Central, you had Paramount Pictures, you had MTV, mm. um, you had just all these. Like, so you would all them under one roof, and like, it was all open plan office. So every time I was making tea or coffee, there was someone from some department. So I got to know everyone, mm. and everyone then knew me as the Irish girl because. And they used to always laugh, going, "But you're really Irish," like because you've such a thick Irish accent. And then everyone then was like <laughs> laughing at me, like they'd always be trying taking off my accent and and like that. I just got to know everyone, and um, yeah, she said she kind of like she pulled me aside. I was like, "Hey, you're a bit too friendly. Like you talk to everyone." Like, it was a bad thing. And I was like, okay. So I said, I entered that internship mad to become a proper, like, learned skill of presenting. Now, I wasn't trying to become a presenter while I was there for the year because I was there to do an internship. But I wanted to learn off the presenters. I wanted to learn off the producers. I wanted to learn off everyone in there. So Mm. I wanted to know. But by the time I left there, I remember being really depleted thinking I wasn't good enough to be a presenter because, like, sometimes, like it was like I, I find sometimes in me like in career like it's people sometimes want to try clip your wings and it's like mm. when it's hard to find it's and there's nothing then but then you meet people who really want to help you soar and that's great so i kind of try to like learn from everyone and just kind of try not to take two things too personally in careers but also london was a really lonely place because i was you're living like it's it's kind of unless you're a really tight group friends over there you're going to find it quite lonely mm. and i just found that some weekends I could come home on a Friday and I might be on my own again till Monday, because mm. the be, everyone would like be gone for the weekend, or everyone in the UK loves to get out to the countryside. And I didn't have a car and I didn't know people in the countryside, so sometimes I just go into Battersea Park with a book. And that year, I think I read more books than I've ever read in my life, because I'd get um. Public transport ever, so I read books. It was constantly books, books, books. There was no internet in the underground, so all I did was read. So that for me, that was actually hugely rewarding because I got to read so many really incredible authors. And then I spent weekends. I had to learn how to be on my own, and I had to learn how to like literally enjoy my own company, which obviously is something really hard, hard for anyone. And that year, then like I actually got to really enjoy my own company, and I became really independent and. I just came home like with a really great CV, but also this new found independence that I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. So uh, like it was a really kind of tough year in so many ways, but also now looking back, it was probably a really rewarding year. And every time I go back to London now, I just love it. I walk back in and I'm like, I think London is so vibrant and I step back in there and I'm like, I just feel refreshed again. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I'd live there again, but then if the right job came up, I probably would. But I just find now that I think I'm so grateful to London, like the way I am to UL. so, yeah, I think I've completely went off path there, but... Yeah, no, no.
0: It's but I think... Yeah, constantly yeah.
1: spurring me on, I think, yeah. So, I think my... I always... I said, I always feel Marcus and Dad are constantly pushing me. So, people nowadays say, how do you have so much energy? How do you do so much work? And I said, like, because I love everything I do. And I know that Marcus and Dad will be proud of me, but I also know that they'd be constantly pushing me because they're real go-getters. Like, my dad was a massive goal-setter. Like, my dad was in the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, dad was just, like, like, incredible, like superhuman Um, Marcus was also like full of life and he was really enthusiastic about life and he had actually like so many plans for his future which obviously never got to do so for me then it's kind of like I want to do them proud but I also want to like do them justice as well because their lives got cut short and I just think now I've thankfully I've learned that life is so short that there's absolutely like it's just so I know a lot of people go through tough times and when I was going through a tough time I thought I'd never be happy again and here I am now and I'm like now I feel like I know what the real meaning of happiness is and I just think life is so short that I don't want to be having I don't want to be upset I don't want to be down anymore I don't want to be having like I don't I, I want every day to kind of mean something I want every day to like f- get fulfillment out of it and I think that's what I'm doing right now mm. um, which might like I know I'm working like seven days a week but I said I love it like I just I just kind of get such a kick out of everything I do
0: yeah yeah no I totally understand that because I, I work seven days a week as well it doesn't there's no, there's no, <laughs> we, 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 weekends only. exist it's not a thing you know what I mean so totally understand that but yeah it's amazing that you've found something because I like, got the thing that scared me the most probably when I was younger was seeing people go into jobs that they hated you know what I mean oh yeah like as in, like even as a young child like seeing people try to work or people moan about their jobs you know if you're in the gym I, you know, I was like 14, 15 when I started CrossFit so I would have been training with people you know 20, 30, 40, 50 even and like them moan about work and oh thank god it's Friday evening now I can you know, enjoy the weekend I'm like no my yeah. god like that sounds horrible I'm not scared like that literally scared me so much that I was like that that's why I started a business in leaving the there I was like, I don't want to be going doing stuff I don't want to do the rest of my life. This you know, is
1: it, or people are like, oh my God, it's Monday. And I'm like, I love Mondays now because on Mondays is usually RT Cork day for me. So it's like on TV. So I'm yeah. like, I love Mondays. Yeah. But um, you're totally right. I have so many friends as well. And I meet them and they're like, oh my God, like I hate my job. And I'm like, I think there was this mentality. And I think it's starting to change in Ireland where people felt you just had to get a job. Hmm. You had to get a job and if it was well paid, really good. If you're miserable, just stay there and that's the kind of and where I think now with the younger millennials and the Gen Z it's kind of like well no why should we and I like I I admire people that I meet that are that change their careers like I met a woman at an event and she had like this really amazing like job in the medical field like really well paid really good job and she just realised she was like I'm not getting fulfillment out of it. So she completely changed her career, went off down a completely different career path. And at the time I was in a job that I was really not happy in. And I knew that it was at the end and I knew it was going nowhere for me. And it was just kind of, all I was doing actually was holding me back and um, making me quite miserable and making me despise my career. And I was like, no, I, I was like, I, I need to get out of this because I was like, I, if I stay in this any longer, I'm going into walking away from a career that I love. So I said, no. And I, I went to see hear her speak and I, that was a Thursday, I think, or Wednesday evening. And the following day, I went into my boss and I handed him my notice. Oh
0: wow! And
1: it was the greatest feeling in the world. And I met mess- I, I I met her after the event, and I said, "You just inspired me." I was like, "There's something I need to do." Message her afterwards. Is like, you inspired me, and I did it. And I haven't looked back. And like, it's just my my career now is just like I'm loving everything that's coming my way and all these lovely opportunities and people. Things are coming into me coming towards me now. Whereas, like I remember, I said to you just a while ago that I sat back and was waiting for things to come to me and nothing was Mm -hmm. coming to me because i wasn't putting myself out there whereas now i suppose i'm using social media to promote my own brand and who i am and now things are starting to come to me because people are seeing what i'm doing Mm -hmm. and like that for seminar like so that's one of the kind of i suppose one of the main points of it like the lads saw the work that i'm doing and then realized i'd be right fit for seminar so now i'm kind of like loving the opportunities that are out there and again it's probably a lot of self-promotion which you know yourself like on social media i'm constantly having to promoting the brand that is Megan Scully. Of course. So now, like, I do have to, I do see myself as a brand now as well, which I know some people are going to be like, what? I'm like, but in this industry, you kind of... Yeah, because who you are is your brand and, you know, what you put out there is is your brand mm-hmm. as well. So I'm very conscious of that um, and kind of just make sure that I put out the right brand as well and yeah. then that other brands want to work with me. <laughs> of
0: course, yeah, because, like, as in... Like, when you're... Like you said, when you're posting, like, you're always conscious of, is this true to my brand? Because, like, it's... Yeah. A, because like everything you put on the internet like you know there's been so many issues over the year, well, not issues but so many times over the years where 10 year old tweets come up and, and kevin harry yeah. for example of that you know mm-hmm. kevin Hart has a phenomenally strong brand like you know yeah. like, that man is invincible you know is doing everything on the sun him and the rock i think are two of the hardest workers probably in like in the public eye anyway but um you know 10 year old homophobic tweets coming up you know and up and yeah. coming to media like a different time you know what i mean i'm like i'm I don't know how I feel about the whole thing of you know, digging up 10-year-old tweets because, like, if you look at him, uh, 10 years ago, he was an up-and-coming comedian. Yeah. Comedians say outlandish stuff. He was trying to be funny, trying to build his name for himself. And then, Probably had very few followers. Yeah. Like, as in even Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, doing... Yeah. yeah Gary Vee was posting yesterday about, was it, 10-year-old tweets, and they get, like, four likes. You know what I mean? Now he has yeah. millions and millions of followers. You know what I mean? So they all started with nothing. No one was watching. But now... I don't know who's digging up people are getting paid to dig up old things, you know to, it is scary, scary. Yeah. so scary because like
1: you think like when I think when I first started on Twitter like I was probably like I probably had like 10 or 20 followers yeah. and like I was probably just like at one stage like Someone said to me, like, you're putting out loads of tweets on Twitter that, like, are just nothing, like, it was just what my random thoughts were. Yeah, and like, I know as well that when I was going through my bad phases, I went through this phase of posting all these like quotes and deep, meaningful things all over social media. Mm. Now, I know at the time it was actually a cry for help, but I think people were kind of getting sick because they're like, oh, she's constantly posting these like sad quotes. But like, I think in, inside I was like screaming, being like, please, someone help me, yeah. and that's why I was doing it. Um, and I think now, like, if I'd say if I saw my tweets from like the person I was 10 years ago, is a completely different person to who I am now. Mm. Like, I was 20 and I remember thinking when I was 20 years old and this might sound mad, but I remember at the time being like by the time I was 30, the way I saw myself in 10 years was married with kids. Genuinely, I was like, "Yeah, by the time I'm thirty, I'll be married with kids, and I wanted like a few kids." And I, that's the way I saw it, and I was like, "I'll have my house built, and I'll probably live in the countryside, and you know, little housewife." And that was yeah. kind of that was it. Now I'm at thirty, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I don't even know if I want to get married. I don't even know if I ever want kids." Mm. And I'm like, "I'm like so career driven right now, and I'm so I'm loving what I'm doing. um I don't have my own house; I'm still renting. Um, so it's like, but the person I was ten years ago, and the person I had the mindset is completely different. They're mm. like that's like two different people. So I'd say if I was to go back to my tweets ten years ago." I probably like, sorry. Who's that?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, like Of course. So it's just, and I think yeah, if you're if you're judging people from tweets ten years ago, I think that's really harsh because as I said like we're you know a twenty year old and thirty year old. There was it's 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 complete. It's a different generation, mm. um, and you know if people are going to judge you from your mindset that time, I think that's really like cruel and yeah. obviously if you say stuff that is bad, you know, and when, I think like Kevin Hart, I did watch his documentary. That was amazing. Yeah, um, I watched it that's so good.
0: He's very brutally honest in it, as like,
1: very honest.
0: Yeah, I, I was actually very surprised and I saw saw the reaction unanimously was can't believe some of those clips made it in there, you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: like, some stuff I was bit like, Oh, you didn't really need to say that. But like that he should have apologised immediately for that those tweets. Not no I know he said it's time, he like he he was kind of he, I did understand his point as well, but he probably should have just said like I am sorry for causing offence but you know that was 10 years ago Yeah. and um, you know it's in the past and I obviously don't mean that now and that's not who I am of course. but um, yeah I know you have to be so careful with social media and that's it like you, as you said you put Anthony out there and I ran a little test on my Instagram the other day and I asked people I, I was just interested because I kind of post a bit of everything I'm mm. not like you don't you won't find like you know there's people out there who are fashion and there's people who are makeup and people who are like just certain like um, sports so like you know when you go to their Instagram account that's what you're always going to get whereas for me I think it's like you get my all my different media careers you'll get uh, my hiking you'll get my tag rugby you'll get my running you'll get my gym you'll get my family you'll get my dog you'll get like my travels like everything like there's no I don't have there's nothing I just go to and I just asked people privately and I said something like I wasn't going to share their it was for myself and I asked them what they why why what they like about most on my Instagram and what like why. And it was really interesting because I was I thought now something was gonna shine through where there's gonna be one like major thing. But everyone said everything. They're like, I love the mixture, I love the the like there's always something different on your mm-hmm. page which I love and like obviously a lot of people mentioned my dog Bella because I think it comes to animals, everyone loves animals. But the, like no one said like a lot of people said, Stay doing what you're doing. They're like, I absolutely love your content right. and I love the mixture and they're like, I love the like everything. Like there was nothing that I nothing was actually I'd say if I was to do a percentage, they were all just like on par. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So I was
1: like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And everyone said like they're um they loved my honesty and how real I am and how like normal I am, that I'm just yeah. I'm not trying to be someone else. And I'm not either because I think in media, you I, for me like for if I want to do more TV presenting or more radio presenting, like it's all about honesty at the end of the day because people need to connect with me as well. Mm. And I think maybe like being a country girl who's lived in cities, i I think I'm, I'm getting the balance right. Mm. Um, and I just think it's uh, yeah, it was just really interesting. And I was like, I loved people like honesty to me as well because I you know they could, uh, people could have said different things, but everyone was really like, no, just keep it going. So I was like, oh, okay.
0: Wow yeah and um, question this is more kind of just from the whole brand perspective because mm-hmm. I know um, I have a lot of I, over the time since I started on YouTube I, I would have met and be friends with now a lot of the up and coming TikTokers and YouTubers and all yeah. that crack you know I would be and like um, how did you make a conscious decision to kind of let people in more into your personal life with the guards, your family and all that, was that like a conscious decision or was that something maybe just developed over time because I know um, a lot of it's very split and like some people don't show family at all, there's no you know yeah. don't want to share that or some people like yourself that opens up and goes here this is me either take it or leave it you know what I mean and yeah. like obviously your Instagram reflects that so was that a conscious decision or something to maybe just kind of developed over time and kind of happened
1: yeah i think being on radio was i found radio i was always very honest on the radio and yeah. i think that's why an awful lot of people enjoyed listening to me because they a lot of people connected with me because i came from the farm and i had like a lot of farming stories and mm. then i had the dog and I had the cat and and um, my mom and i uh, mum's an author as well and she's three books out and i think Mum was always one that was kind of behind the scenes but then i've kind of brought her into the in in with me and yeah people love her like um i'm not sure if you her or know that this moment I, I measure, a dating I, show.
0: I, I was, talking, oh, yeah, you I was talking to her before I spoke to you at your Seminar. So I
1: drag her to everything. Yeah. but I, We were on a dating show together then in the end of October, pulling on my parents, and it was really nice to. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it Yeah. It's really nice to do a project together that wasn't about because a lot of the times people associate my mom and I with grief and with loss and with death and with yeah. Marcus and my dad, but like we want to show people that that's not just who we are, and like we both have a really funny witty side, and I think it was so funny the show aired and it was all about mum finding me a, a, a boyfriend, and she had to take over my dating apps and she had to like find. A man, and um, like afterwards, it, it aired, and then like the feedback from it was just phenomenal. Like, everyone said how they loved how natural and real Mum and I were, yeah. and that we were just like, we, who you meet in real life is who we are on TV, mm. and uh, everyone couldn't get over how funny she is was like oh my god your mother is like really funny and i was like no she is like that is actually her I was yeah. like you just don't all get to see it because she's because she's always in the, behind the scenes so i'm very open with mom on social media and she knows that too because like she's obviously honest and i'm share, constantly sharing pictures of her and mm. videos and always having the crack with her but i think the tv show then now she's really comfortable she doesn't mind me showing stuff for her mm. i'm very conscious though of sharing um my outside family like more family members like I don't really I wouldn't post much stuff with my stepdad or my aunts and uncles or my little especially my little cousins yeah. I'd be very conscious to ask their parents first if I want to put up a photo with them mm-hmm. um, or else if I was I, would go, I go away on holidays with my friends all the time mm-hmm. um, I would be I I'd say sometimes if you follow me I'd be like does she just go on holidays on her own like it's like someone to take a photo my friends don't all want to be on my social media because mm-hmm. um, I have um, I think I'm over eight thousand followers now, but like they're not into that. That's not their thing. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm very conscious of that. Of so I if I take a photo with someone um, with the girls, I'll always say, "Do you mind if I post that?" And the one some I know a few friends I know don't mind me post at all, and then a few that I know don't like being. So I'll always mm-hmm. double check with them, and I would say if there's a friend that doesn't mind me you know, on my wall, because obviously that's more permanent. I'll post that, and then if there's some that are like, oh, oh yeah, like you can post that, but and then I'll put that to my story because I'm very conscious too that not everyone is into social media, um. So I, go, I suppose in that sense, I share a lot of my own life, um, and then a lot, I suppose a huge question I get asked a lot, or get kind of people always want to know about is my my dating life because the show I didn't, I obviously didn't at the end. I'm single, but um, I know a lot of people very kind of interested in that side of my aspect of my life. Mm. Did the dating show in 2019? Great fun, great opportunity. Love being on TV. With my moment. Loved getting to show my mum how difficult dating is nowadays Mm. and I think she was like what is this what it's like Um, but I've decided now for 2020 that i am going to keep my like that like if I am dating someone I'm not going to post them on my social media because I just think that's something it's the one thing I probably can keep private if I want to and then I was like if I do share a photo with someone like I'd say it'll be like way down the line when I'm you know that that I know that they're comfortable as well because I think once you start sharing like a relationship on social media you know it's like you're just really exposing yourself and it's nice to have something that's private so for me like for 2020 i will be if i'm dating someone that will be kept completely off social media because mm. i just think as i said again the my brand is my social media so i have to make sure that what i'm putting on that is because i like, get just awkward Like cause i've I've, <coughs> I've had an ex-boyfriend in the past where he was on my social media and plastered all over it, and then we broke up and then you're like oh do i go back and delete the photos and then i was like oh i don't i don't need that person either but then it's like I don't really you don't want photos of them either because like you just yeah. don't know again you said like 10year tweets you don't know how far back people are gonna go on your yeah. Instagram and start pulling up old photos yeah so um yeah I just remember when that relationship broke up I just posted loads of photos like all the time really fast to push them all down
0: <laughs> yeah and <laughs> um, and then um that's actually really interesting actually because that's something that's talked about very often is that you know because its kind of you know especially a lot of the up and coming media stars or the Instagram influencers and stuff there's and like you know some of them will be I have, have a partner oh i'm gonna share it all straight away or some of them might be together for a couple of years before you yeah. see a side of them so um and have you found this is more because because you kind of, kind of talk about relationships mm-hmm. and stuff as someone in the media as someone kind of in the public eye have you had any have you had people kind of coming into your life though kind of like mainly just because you're in the public eye that have kind of maybe trying to leech off for that or not maybe not leech off maybe leech is a bit of a strong word but kind of Maybe just trying to come in because you're kind of on the rise at the moment and your career going so well and stuff.
1: Well, I found after the dating show an awful lot of, or not awful lot, sorry, that sounds, not an awful lot <laughs> people like were mess me when they, because I do the Q&A afterwards and everyone's like, um, did you, are you dating any of the guys or what story? And I said, no, I, then at the time I was like, no, I'm still single. And then I just had a lot of people going, do you want to go on a date me? I'd love to take you out and date. And I was like, oh, I don't even know you. So I like, and I, I'd be very, I wouldn't date someone off Instagram or Twitter or Facebook that I don't know. Mm. And I've, I've been asked out through social media, um, straight out, and i've just been i actually applied and said look I, I don't date people off off social media i've deleted my dating apps as well because i just found that they were actually kind of depressing me and they were really kind of i don't know. they weren't really good i don't think they're good for mental health so i um, got rid of all of those and then but I'm, I'm fine when people ask me out and, on social media i'm just like no i'd rather mm. i'm still old-fashioned i do still think that i could like but I'd like to meet someone the old-fashioned way or you know maybe set up a blind date by a friend because i think your friends always know who's kind of right for you of course. i always trust my friends um i find as well a lot of guys say they love confident girls and love career-driven girls, but then I found I've dated these guys, and they're that's not the reality at all. Mm. Um, I find they sometimes feel a little bit threatened by, um, the whole social media aspect and the whole media thing and being on camera and like walking like no people kind of not that like not saying people know my name, but like sometimes I go out and someone's like, oh, I saw you on the dating show, or I watched your post show, or I, I saw you on RT, and I found like an ex of mine really struggled with that and he and that was a couple of years ago when my social media had way less like followers yeah. and he really he didn't like because my social media is public so obviously people can, can DM me and can reply to my stories and can comment and he like really had an issue with that. Um so it's very hard to find someone that is very supportive of this career and that's what I find. And you know, I'd it'd be nice to meet someone that doesn't mind coming along to these events a year, doesn't mind taking the odd photo for me that if I have to... Do you know sometimes you have to take photos of course, with if you get yeah, given yeah. something? Um, and that's someone that actually kind of wants to like push my career as well and push me and because sometimes I can be... Like my mum is my mum, the one who pushes me. My mum is constantly like making me go places and really kind of... She's really like motivating me. So I need to find that in a, in, a, in a man as well or like in someone that would actually like want to push this career and want mm. to see me go further. So I found that's been quite difficult to find someone. And then like that too, I suppose you're conscious of... Like, I've been chatting to guys on nights out, and then they kind of like, they kind of say, make comp, like, oh my God, like, I, I love um I know, they, they make some comp about something really personal in my life, and I'm like, oh God, and then I'm like, okay, and then I kind of get really awkward, because I'm like, oh Jesus, and then I'm like, uh, then I'm afraid then that they know too much about me, and then I don't feel to have like a conversation with them, because I'm yeah. like, so they're going, oh God, what do they not know about me that I can kind of say to them? Because if they follow me on Instagram, they're going to no, know my mother, my dog, where I'm from, where I live, my jobs. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 yeah. No, actually, yeah it's funny it is funny that's a funny situation when someone does listen to you and consume your content and then you yeah. meet them because like you don't feel like you're you're starting on a bad foot and like you said because like you're like well like oh am i gonna ask a stupid question or say something that like, they're like oh yeah i already know that like oh, you know it's a, yeah. it can be a bit and yeah. then you
1: feel bad because so you're like sorry I, I i don't know anything about you so you know can you tell me about yeah. you
0: just give me a spiel just give me a full monologue of who you are what you what yeah. you've done for the last you know x amount of years but um so so then kind of moving into the media see so, you, so Kind of pulling all back then so you, finished, you did your internship with mtv for a year yeah and then where was the next step you came back to ireland and what was kind of the next step then
1: came back from london and i went to dublin i actually went into pr for a while because i couldn't get a media job in dublin to save my life and right. i had and I have to say, like I'm, I'm not just boasting. But I had a great CV from MTV because MTV made sure that I... that was the whole point of the internship in MTV. You walk away with um, like amazing CV. Yeah. That's what they do. And every intern that was before me in MTV stayed in. They're they all most actually they're all from UK. I was the only Irish intern, and they all stay there and all got like amazing jobs. And I follow something now. Like one of the girls is. Um, a massive uh, climate activist over in the UK with 100,000 followers on Instagram wow. another girl is a presenter on um, Capital One Breakfast um, wow,
0: that's a big radio station yeah, yeah so
1: like you know they're all doing really incredible things and another guy is doing this amazing like um, <coughs> uh, producing and directing and he gets to shoot with like all these top footballers in the world like Messi and like all these really cool ones mm. so like they all could stay there in London and like at the time looking back Probably should have stayed in London because I could have easily gotten a career, and the Irish accent used to get me really far over there. But I was like, no, I want to live in Ireland, and I couldn't get a job for the life of me. I couldn't get anything, so I went into PR and I did that for about three or four months. And I was like, if I see another Excel sheet, I'm going to scream. And it was that situation where I was like, I can't do this anymore, and I was like, I need to get back into media. So I went into another unpaid internship for a while to try get back into media with a media company, and that was went on and on and on and again I just couldn't get a job so like I was applying for all these jobs with these other media companies and like they're all they're doing was offering me unpaid internships and I was like I can't stay living in Dublin on an unpaid internship and they kept saying but after six months will more than likely keep you on and I was like but I can't take that risk because that's six months living in Dublin that's six months my mother paying for my rent and paying my way I was like I had like what like how am I meant to survive Mm -hmm. then I kind of turned a bit sour in, in Dublin because I was six months up there no, I first Sorry, six months working in PR, which I didn't like. And then I was six months working up there unpaid. And it was just horrible. Like, living in Dublin with no money is not a fun place. Like, and it just, and I was going home every weekend and I was miserable. And I was driving, every Sunday driving back to Dublin, I was miserable. And I just said to mum one day, I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's like, I need to come home. So I moved back home with no job. But I was like, at least I wasn't costing my mother all this money.
0: Of course, yeah. Yeah,
1: crazy. And then I was in Galway and I was like, I didn't know what to do. So I was doing a bit of freelance stuff and I ended up working with them few like fitness trainers doing their social media for them and stuff like that so that was going well and then I was mum just said look she goes stay at home for as long as you want but she goes you need to decide now what you want to do she goes you know now just use this time to really think do you want to stay in media if you want to stay in media then go for it if you don't want to stay in media look at your other options so that's why I kind of took that time at home to like free my mind and also to weigh up my options and see what did I really want to do and that's when a job came up in Limerick and a radio job so I went for it and I ended up getting that and the reason I got it, because I asked, was because of all my experience in London in MTV. So my CV finally worked for me. Yeah. Um, so that was how that came about. So yeah, I feel like I've gone off point again on you.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> Rambling way like Matt. No, 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 Because no. um, you're actually, you're stringing the story along, we're, we're going along the kind hmm. of story. And was that with the Limerick Post show or was that a different, different radio station? than Yeah, Post it was started? Spin.
1: Um, so I with, did the breakfast show there for, um, I ended up being there for, three years, I think it was. I did the breakfast show for two and a half-ish, and then I went to a mid-morning show, which was great. And then, yeah, I just, just, I kind of like, felt like it was time for a change, because I think like, I, I feel like with careers, you kind of have to, I think I never want, I've never stayed in a career, a job too long, yeah. and that was three years was long as I'd stayed in something. I thought, right, I'd done everything. I'd learned how to be a radio center I'd done the breakfast show, which is you know the most important show in the station because it's like big listeners. I'd done a show on my own. Um, I'd learned how to do the desk. I had done all these things, and I just decided. And then I brought out my book. Then in the meantime, so after the book was brought out, then I kind of was like, right, I need a change now. I knew I needed something else, a new project, and that's when I and then I left there in January, February of last year, and I decided to take a break. So I took like eight weeks off uh just for myself and just to have like just to kind of take a break because i think like it's very important to go if you're going from a career to another career i think it's really important to take some time out as well because this thing of finishing one job on friday and starting a new job on one day i'm like no give yourself like time off like mm. i moment i went to america i went to cheltenham with the girls i like did loads of cool trips and a, like really fun time so then by the time the limer post started then in may i was like raring to go do you know that kind of way? it was like loads of ideas loads of op- like loads of kind of energy and then i was just kind of ready to to start mm. again that's how that all happened
0: and then you ended up coming here to Liverpool in
1: May yep yeah, yeah. to produce this show and that's been since May and for the summer we were kind of working on different like kind of pilots and seeing what worked well and what format we wanted and then by the I think it was like midsummer we came up with the format so we go around and we interview people Monday to Friday sometimes you might have two or three interviews in a day sometimes you might have one and then mm. we churn out videos pretty much every single day but then on Friday is the main show and the main show then is um, the top stories in Limerick which is the top stories in the newspaper um, because the newspaper is the is, 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 is big the, the master here
0: yeah.
1: um, and then we have the out and about section which is all the events we went to during the week and then the big interview is usually a big specialised interview with someone so be it a fashion designer um, a musician um, maybe someone that's in town like it could be anyone so yeah. it's it varies so it's great so that's yeah that's kind of the, the, the main baby right now
0: yeah, I I'm, we're only having a discussion with this before we started actually recording was the fact that you are it's as on YouTube it's a YouTube show as well yeah. you know and like I feel like media we we're talking literally just having this conversation before we started it was like media in Ireland is still quite behind I know I'm not really in the media space at all but kind of just from an outsider's perspective you know the fact that like all the big TV shows in the states now putting myself stuff up onto youtube because obviously that's where i consume most of my content i like yeah if i'm going to content so i don't go to netflix i don't go to national tv i go to youtube but that's where i go to consume video content you know what i mean so having it up there is brilliant and um, even talking on mtv actually they're now and stuff like shows that were telling 10 years ago yeah. they're, they're trying to upload that to youtube and they're getting millions of views you know what i mean like i in like and that's really turning at the moment so it's interesting how the whole media landscape is all those, you know, all these conventional, you know, MTV, Comedy Central, Comedy Central has so much content up, yeah, throwing it up onto YouTube and it's really cool the way that you're kind of almost leading in that sense with the guards because I don't think, from what I've seen anyway, most of the other media channels in, Ar- in Ireland and radio shows aren't really doing much on YouTube at all really. Yeah
1: and that's what I think we're kind of like, that's what I love about the Limit show, it's kind of like, it's unique in a way um, as you said, not many people are doing it, no. and like we're having great fun with it because we're not like it's, it's not like strict where we had to like follow a certain rule or a certain guideline, it's like us like trying out things to see what works and see what our audience like. Yeah, and um, we're using all the platforms on social media to, to get everything out there, and um, so it is really interesting to see. And like, it's just like I'm so proud of it. I yeah. like, I see every time I see the branding, I'm like, oh, that's
0: yeah. Add your, new your name under it, like, I know yeah.
1: my name in it too, so it's lovely. And it's like, you know, I always wanted to be a presenter growing up, like, I always wanted to be doing some sort of like presenting and um, now that I'm doing it, I'm loving it and the fact that I'm getting to do, so I'm doing, which obviously digital media is huge now, so the fact that I have my own show online on YouTube is like massive. Then I also have the TV and then I have the radio as well. So mm. I feel like I've got all, and I do a little bit of writing with paper as well. So like I feel like I'm hitting all the media targets, which I love. And um, It's ever changing as well, which is so fascinating and I love that as well and I just think it's like, it's so fast paced and as I said, I have so much energy that, and I'm, I've got a really fast pace as well. So I think it's really cool trying to keep up with it but also like staying ahead of the trends and watching the trends and it's just like it's fascinating
0: Mm. and which out of all the platforms because you literally like literally literally said you touch on every media platform (laughs) really which one do you kind of enjoy the most and what kind of what aspect i know you enjoy all your jobs obviously i think you said that but which one do you kind of almost enjoy the most
1: I love the Limerick Post Show which is funny I, they're, they all have different points the Limerick Post Show I love because I get to go out and about Limerick and I get to meet people and I get to interview people and share that content to Limerick people all over the world that maybe haven't don't get to see it and I think we the feedback we get is people who are out international love seeing what's going on and I love like meeting people and getting stories often because I think you know interview people and talking to people is kind of my, that's always been my passion um, so for that I love that about the Limer Post show and then I love as well I love live TV the buzz I get off it because I love knowing that like you're sitting there and it's live and you're in a studio and there's lights and mm. it's like this is live and that gives me a real adrenaline rush um, then radio I just love the fact that like now not that I can roll out of bed because I'm this studio's in Dublin. But I love just radio. You can just well, you can just head on in there and you're behind, you're on your own in this room, you got your microphone and you're like chatting to people and you're playing music and that's just really relaxed. Mm. And I don't see, radio for me is so much, like it's fun. So I don't look at that as like a job. I just see that it's like, I'm going up having a crack chatting,
0: yeah. chatting and
1: playing music, which is like what I love doing anyways. Mm. So um, I think the three of them all have really strong points um, that I love. And then, you know, the paper is still so strong here in Limerick. The Limerick Post is like such a strong newspaper and it's such a loyal readership So. Mm. It's funny, like I interviewed Willie O'Dea in, in here in this room and um, that went up online and then a, a few days later I transcribed the interview and put it into the newspaper and I people come up to me saying oh, I read your article Willie mm. but like they didn't necessarily see it online. Yeah. So there's still a huge audience out there I suppose that aren't consuming... Um, med- digital, digital media the way you and I do. Yeah. Um. So it that's always really fascinating for me. And uh, one time I think it was Dermot and Dave were down here doing a roadshow, and like that Dermot picked up the Limer Post, and he was uh, made uh, reference to my article with Willie O'D. Mm. So he saw that in the paper, so he didn't see it online. So it's just it's fascinating. I I just think, and for me it's like, great because I know that I'm hitting so many different target and areas and people and age groups and everything mm. with all my media.
0: Yeah. And then you're saying there that you're after launching a cooking podcast. Now. Yes. Well, so is that exclusively your own stuff? That's not linked, is that linked to any other entity at all? Yeah, it's hosted on the Limer Post. That's on Limer Post. Yeah. So, so that'll be going up on their YouTube channel as well, is it? It is, yeah. Okay. The,
1: um, the, so what we're doing is we, it's a food podcast and we'll be releasing the audio, would will say for an episode early in the week and then we'll release the video later in the week because yeah. again, some people prefer video, some people prefer audio and obviously it's cooking so it's interesting because the audio, like you're listening to it but I think, um, Owen and I did a good job that you could you can almost I think you can visualize the kitchen. Yeah. Um so then now when the video comes out, it'll be just interesting to see what people consume more of. Mm. Um we've kept it very basic. It's meals for millennials, he's a professional chef, I'm not. Um I'm so busy I don't have time to be cooking these like long, amazing roast dinners and that thing. and but I'm always up for healthy, nutritious meals. So mm. the aim of this is for him to teach me, but also teach our audiences and, and listeners and viewers how to make these basic healthy nutritious meals and it's funny I got inspiration from the today show because one of the topics I had one week was um the most uh, search term on you uh, google uh, last year was how to boil an egg so that was a conversation we were having on tv so then I was like to own episode one how to boil an egg and I, like everyone's like Megan it's like it's simple you boil an egg and I was like no but I was like how do you get like the soft egg the, you know the hard boiled eggs I find every time I boil an egg it's a hard boiled egg and I want a soft boiled egg mm. so then that was episode one he was teaching me how to know the difference so that's what we did we got like a load of eggs and we did them from like runny to soft to all the way up to a hard boiled egg so that was fascinating and in it we're not just talking about how to boil an egg we're chatting about hens and like sourcing eggs and the protein and all the things you can do with eggs and all the different th- meals you can make and so it was really interesting in that sense we, I learned loads about it like I didn't realise that when you read the shell of an egg it says if it says i.e. first that means it's an Irish egg
0: oh I didn't even read it see there. Yeah. there you go there you go <laughs> yeah. and then
1: sometimes if it's um, I think it's the UK it'll say UK in it
0: yeah yeah so
1: all the information is there on the egg so I was like I didn't know that so so <laughs> yes. that's, that's, they're informative as well and they're like interesting so I said that's the first one and we will make our we will build to get me better at cooking <clears throat> sorry excuse me Um, more I suppose difficult kind of meals but for him it's mm. simple he's just like no you just do this but he made everything so simplified that I loved that mm. so I can't wait now to start rolling out all the episodes and then I want to recreate everything
0: Yeah, when I go yeah. home on my own
1: just to like see if I can do it without him yeah.
0: <laughs> I can't keep your Instagram obviously updated Yeah, how it goes um, so two final questions before we wrap up one it's something you touched on earlier and just because we kind of skated past it but uh You said your dad was a record. What was it? Oh yeah,
1: Um, so my dad grew up on horses. He was um, a show jumper, and he wore the green jacket for Ireland. And I think he got his kidney transplant when he was twenty-one. In the late 70s. like I might have these dates wrong. In the, mid, in the early 70s, he was 21. <clears throat> Actually, it's funny, my mum was in school at the time and she remembers everyone praying for this man, this young guy from Gort that was getting a kidney transplant. Mm. She didn't know, obviously, who dad was. But at the time, transplants weren't a thing in Ireland, so it was really rare. And um, dad was given three days to live because the kidney didn't take. Um, but eventually, there was um, his, his my granddad, who was a vet, um, kind of got involved and basically the kidney took and... Dad was told leaving the hospital, like, you know, you've had a transplant, so take it easy, no like no nothing too strenuous, like no smoking, no drinking, like literally you have to really look after yourself. So like dad, of course, did not listen to any of the doctors. Um and then in the early eighties, he was in the RDS in the Simmons court and there was a world record competition going on. And dad was like, I really want to take part, and they were like no like we're not signing you in like you're you're a basically effectively a sick man and they were like we're not letting your health isn't good enough and dad was like I'm fine you know I'm, I'm fine I'm doing it so he saw a horse jumping this is actually a true story he saw a horse jumping in the arena the day before the competition mm-hmm. and he was like I want that horse I want, I'm going to have that horse and I'm going to jump tomorrow so I spent an evening trying to buy this horse off this man who I think wasn't even selling the horse um, Drum Logan was like a, uh, was I think he was like seventeen two or 18-1 big chestnut horse beautiful horse and dad literally I think sat up with him that night and was like yep yeah, he'll do and it was like you are taking part in a like a jumped like in this jumping competition on a horse you don't even know mm. um, but dad just dad had the eye for horses, horse he was incredible like I used to go racing with them and dad would literally look at the parade and he'd be like he'll come first and he'll come second and it used to happen. And my first time go goy racing, won the first four races. And this is like dad would just look at a horse and knew. He just had that that magic touch wow. which I thought I had, but I realized the last couple of years going to race meeting, and I do not. Um and then um so then he got in that day, and again there was loads of war, like they did not want to let Dad jump because of his health condition, and they were like, you know, you're too much of a liability, and if that happens, yadda yadda yadda. So then dad decides, Well, I'm gonna take the saddle off. So then they were like, What? So Dad's like, I'm gonna take this on bareback. back. So um he'd go in and obviously it was a high jump competition. So everyone goes in and jumps and then they bring it up and up until eventually there's like a winner. Um, obviously, if you knock, you're out. So dad said he um, he remembers going into the arena and obviously he's very nervous too because it was a huge thing and the jump was like six foot seven and a half. So it'd be like higher than a door frame. Wow. Uh, yeah. And it was poles. So like obviously poles, you can see through them now. In the ordinary horse show, the puissance is a wall. So the wall, like, so obviously the horse, probably, it's easier for them to see a big wall, whereas the poles are kind of, well, not the horses can't, they can see poles, but like just, you know, you just wouldn't know what would distract them. So um, he rode down to it and it was like, I think it was like a triple bar or like um, this big oxer, which means it was kind of like going down a level. So like your kind of horse kind of didn't just have to jump over, kind of had to like leap over it. Yeah. So he rode down to it and um, he said he was going over it and he was coming down and he could hear poles being like, he heard the poles fall and he just said, ah sure look, you know, I gave it a good go. Mm. And he landed and next minute me, he, the horse took stride and he said the whole place erupted. And then he was like, what? And then he turned around. It turns out guys were like moving poles at the side. Cleared the jump. No way. And was in the Guinness Book of World Records in the early 1980s jumping the highest jump bareback.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: incredible stuff.
0: That is an incredible story. Yeah.
1: So yeah, so as I said, that's why the doctor was like, look after yourself. I have to say the time that dad died in 2006, he was, at that time, was the longest surviving kidney or, uh, transplant recipient of any um, organ in when he died mm. so he was a lot yeah so like he was very proud of that fact and he always actually said he reckoned it's because he was so like goal driven and because he set himself so many targets and because he was constantly like you know chasing life he never took a break and I think that's why he lived as long as he did because he just was like as I said it was constant goal setting whether it was going out riding a horse or mm. it's usually horse related actually he was like at one stage he was like he was like even for the Beijing Olympics and we were, I was like dad like you definitely can't and he was like what do you mean I can't and I was like oh you shouldn't have said that and then he went off and got a horse literally the next week rang a friend said need a horse i going to the Olympics what have you got black stallion king cotton gold arrived over a few days later from Wales and we were both trained dad and I were training them together and dad was tar- was setting up for the Olympics but wow. um that's when my brother passed away, and then that's kind of when dad gave up. But I remember then thinking, I was like, You have the Olympics, come on, fight.
0: You have the Olympics, you
1: have your goal. But it was just, it, it, it was too much for him. But I think if Marcus didn't die, I'd say dad would have given us a good goal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so I was going to like to find final, find wrap up on this kind of question. So, um, what advice would you give to someone, let's say, teenager or someone in their early 20s, that uh, lining up for a career in media, want to go down some of the route that you mm. did? Like, what would you advise? What's the landscape looking like right now? Any advice would you give that, to that person?
1: I would say build up as much experience as you can. Um, for me, I, if I knew anyone in, like, the local radio stations, the local newspapers or local digital media, like, outlets, just get reach out to them because people are very sound and I think reach out to them. Um, do your research, though. If you're going to reach out to them, make sure that you know, like, who you're reaching out to and what they do. Like, if there's a brand that you particularly enjoy, like, you know get onto them so when i was in malta i had to get an article published that was our assignment in a paper mm. um and they were like to well, so us you can get published in an irish paper it doesn't matter all that we do is bring back a clipping so i um reached out to the galway advertiser at the time and i said look could i uh write an article for you um about maltese food and they were like yeah absolutely so my mom knew someone that, that works there so that happened and then like that was connection And then when i was doing my master's in in galway they got onto me again they're like would you write a few articles for us over the christmas we need someone to do a few like features and i was like absolutely so that's how that happened so i say like networking is huge it's so hugely important i know some people kind of think like what and i'm like that's why a lot of people say to me like you're always out and about and doing things i was like you because you just don't know where you'll meet someone like i have my business cards with me at all times like you could be on a night out and you'll meet someone who's like has some there's something business related there or something that you know can help you out um my mom one time um met Hector when he used to present the 2FM breakfast show and he was in Galway. was the Galway studio and mum was like my daughter's mad into media any chance could she come in to one of the shows so then like I was sat into one of the 2FM breakfast shows just watching it all so it was little things like that a teacher um, had a friend that worked in TG Car and knew that I loved Irish knew that I loved media sent me out there for a few days work shadowing so that was like so it's all those things TG Car then hired me to do some modeling for them and then now of recent I've done um, some vlogs for them as well So, you know, it's all connections and it's all, and I'd say as well is when you connect with someone, connect to them on social media. Then if you get to go for work experience or shadow or you meet them for coffee, coffee's a great thing. Like just say to someone, look, can I please meet you for coffee? I'll come meet you, where are you? We'll catch up Um, and like, like pick their brains and ask them for advice and ask them for like, is there any chance? And you just don't know who will be able to offer you, like what opportunity. And then when you leave that place, even if it's only for an hour or two hours, connect with them on LinkedIn, connect them again on social media, reach out to them. If you get their email address, write to them saying, thank you so much and email them and say, this is my email address. I'd love to like keep in touch with you and vice versa. It's just about constantly keeping those connections going because you just never know who you're going to meet yeah. down the line. Um, and I think as well, when you meet someone who's like enthusiastic and really wants to learn um, like I find for me if I meet someone like that I know that if they reach out to me I'll be like yeah I remember you you were like you're really really eager and you want to learn and I'd like I hope someday to take on an intern and I want to give them the training and experience that I got named to because I want them to walk away with like a bustling cv as well and i want yeah. them to like walk away being really trained and know exactly like what's going on and
0: mm-hmm. and all
1: that so i'd and i'd say don't give up because it it's a really hard industry to get into it's really hard to break into i said i think i only like i graduated in 2012 it was 2015 by the time i was actually getting properly paid um so i was doing a lot of free stuff which i it is wrong i, I don't agree with getting people to do stuff for free um but sometimes you'll like even just a few weeks here and there just to build up some kind of a portfolio mm. um, and just be humble and be genuine and be polite and be honest. And I think kindness goes such a long way. And um, I think genuine people will, I know like sometimes you see people like jumping really, rising really fast and um, you know, and I just think being nice to people is is really hugely important. And I think it'll it'll make for a longer career for you as well. Because if you're nice and you're humble and you're all these things, people will remember you. And when people remember you, like you're, there are people who want to work with you. Like, you know, there's nothing nicer than a person who's nice to work with because when you build up that rapport with someone, they might move on somewhere else and then they might bring you with them or they mm-hmm. might like you know it's all about like networking and helping each other out so yeah don't give up and be sound
0: yeah i think that's a great way to finish <laughs> it off uh, what would you like to pl- plug your social media obviously i'll include it all down below if you want to just kind of before we head off,
1: yeah, I'm um, Instagram, Twitter, and our Megan Scully, and as is LinkedIn, and then uh, Facebook is Megan mixed by Megan Scully, and I am not on TikTok, and I've stopped using Snapchat as well, okay. so I'm just sticking to those for now. But yeah, Instagram, I suppose at the moment is probably my biggest one, but I, st- I still think Twitter and Facebook are great as well. Actually, I, I, I really think they're all really good. um So yeah, if you just search because I'm M E G M-E-G-H-A-N-N, so if you search for Megan Scully. I should, hopefully, pop
0: up. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming Thanks, on today. Sarah. really appreciate it. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe down below, go follow Megan, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Good night, really.